Welcome to Emotional Management. It's your weekly checkup from the neck up. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is the show about life, the show where we can help you talk about whatever's going on in your life. Look, we're all human. We all go through things. We all have moments where we really don't have all the answers and we certainly could use each other's insight. And that's what we're here for tonight. Look, tonight, if you want to talk, the number is 866-391-1020. So I'm really, really excited about my in-studio guest tonight. I've wanted to have him on the show for a while, and I just feel like booming with gratitude. I cannot wait for you all to hear him, to hear his message, and just to hear his energy. He's one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Penny Samaya. Penny, welcome to the show. Uh, Dr. Conti, it's awesome to be here. I really, really appreciate you uh, inviting me to join you. So Penny is super humble, but I'm going to tell you what's called the Penny Test. This is <laughs> this is what <laughs> this is what I call the Penny Test. Um, I speak all over the country. I do work with athletes all over the country. Um, and I was speaking at another university, and I met somebody that knew Penny. And it's funny because our first thought is this: Look, if you know Penny, here's the the psychology. Here's the Penny test. If you've met Penny and you don't like him, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> he is the most positive, most loving. Uh, he's just a teddy bear. You know, this is radio, and you often on radio people wonder what you look like on the radio, right? I'm I'm a six foot, two hundred and fifty pound bald guy with a beard and tattoos. Penny's a big, strong guy. He was an offensive lineman for the University of Pittsburgh. But as as strong as he is, he leads with compassion. So, Penny, yeah, did you know about the Penny test? Uh, you know what? Uh, I never have heard it quite like that, and <laughs> I am honored to have that as one of your barometers. It's 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 a true. It's the I believe that's the true barometer. So, you and I met years ago through uh, leadership conferences. You are the head of life skills at the University of Pittsburgh with the sports department. Tell us a little bit what that's about. Absolutely. So, yeah, years ago we met actually at an NFL NCAA Life Skills Summit. That's right. And you just stood out. All right. And let me just tell you from my lens, all right, as humble as you are, allow me to uh, to speak on that part. But we are professionals who are brought into universities and also at the pro level to help prepare these young people for success while they're in life today and success in life tomorrow. I've been fortunate and blessed to be at my institution, my alma mater, for the last 15 years as a professional, 20 years combined mm. since I came here as a freshman. And what you do with the young people there, you do, I mean, one of the first things we did was a leadership conference, I believe, with the wrestling team. That might have mm -hmm. been our first one or with some of the multiple sports. But tell, t talk to people about what we do as with those leadership conferences. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing, one, because we get to utilize all of these great skills, these great um, trans transferable skills that our student-athletes utilize to be successful in competition and show them how they can accentuate it and also utilize it in different parts of their lives. So, for example, when you first came on with us, we took our wrestling team to uh, uh, facilities in the middle of Pennsylvania, outdoor odysseys, <laughs> where there also happened to be a couple Marines <laughs> who were up there I with remember us. It. <laughs> I Super intense, um, pouring rain, 
But the, one of my favorite quotes that they provided for us that you also helped accentuate was shared adversity breeds culture. Mm. The toughness and the hardships that we faced in that, in that experience, working out in the rain, going through the trails, the physical exertion that they had to put out, but it bonded them. It did. It did. And I actually just brought up that phrase recently at an organization. I, I talked about this idea of shared adversity when we're going through something. And this speaks to something we can hit on a lot tonight, which is the reality is that we can't always determine what happens to us in life. But we always have an opportunity for how we view what happens to us. And when we look at the adversities that we face as a phrase, as you just said it so perfectly, shared adversity, we're going through this together. That doesn't mean that it's easy, but it means we're going through it together. Well, that can really redefine how we experience something. Absolutely. And, and especially in the hallmark, hallmark of sports, that is one of the key elements of trying to breed success through unity. And the shared adversities, the the hardships we face from the wins, the losses, the hard workouts, everything that that provides can help accentuate more things to come in your livelihood, in your life beyond the game. It can. So to me, one of the things I was always felt grateful for was the way you embrace the mental aspect of sports. I believe that sports mostly are mental. We have a lot. I mean, listen, the physical rigor is, you know, my goodness, it's so difficult to even define that it takes an indefinable quality to put that level of effort into it physically. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you've got to be mentally tough. Absolutely. It's um, it's not easy. It's not easy, and and we know that when that easiness is not there, there's also the opportunity to turn to your brother, turn to your sister who has gone through it with you, yes. and they they understand. You know what? And this is something that we might if you're if you're out there listening and you're thinking I'm really frustrated with my family members, I'm frustrated with my my friendship circle, I'm frustrated with people who are supposed to be close to me. I want you to really hear this message because maybe this is something we really highlight tonight, which is maybe you're going through that with your loved ones, with your family, with your friend group because it's going to bond you. It could bring you together in a way that you have never been together before. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell the testimony of my mother um, where she came from American Samoa, took her uncle to Hawaii. Then by her teenage years, she was navigating to San Diego, where she eventually met my father. Seven kids in six years. Things didn't work out there. But because her journey alongside my auntie, Diana, that relationship led my mother to take six of us across the country to where my auntie was living in Utica, New York. Mm. You know, the bondship that they share, the adversities they shared growing up, yes, the closeness there, there was still that magnetic relationship to say, come be close here where we'll take care of you. That's awesome. That's some, there's something to that that brings us together. I really believe, and I'm, I'll talk about even the neurology of it, because I got into that a little bit with my book. Penny, by the way, I'm really excited. Tonight, I got in the mail the first uncorrected proof of walking through anger 
which is my legacy so book. <laughs> so I'm so excited so about it. Walking Through Anger. It's actually available now on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all that kind of stuff. It'll come out in October, but I'm really excited. But in that book, I talk about some of the reasons, some of the neurology behind what, why we do some of the things we do. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Look, I'm so excited. Penny Samaya, one of the best human beings I've ever met. He's in studio. If you want to be a part of the show, the number is 866-391-1020. Of course, you can always email us at the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com but we would love to hear from you would love to talk to you 866-391-1020 this is emotional management i'm dr christian conti on kdk radio this is emotional management i'm dr christian conti i'm really excited about tonight this is uh, 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 You know, it's a show that I've been waiting to do because one of my closest friends and somebody I'm so excited to have here live in the studio with me, Penny Samaya, is joining me. Penny, I can't tell you enough how happy I am that you're here tonight. Well, I'm honored, Christian, and, um, you know, it's hard for me to even call you Christian because the love and respect I have for you. I call you Dr. Conti, even in the social environment, right? <laughs> I know. And I'm like, just call me Christian. <laughs> Listen, so one of the things that you say, so Penny works at the University of Pittsburgh. He has been molding and shaping young people for years. You say 15 years now you've been doing it this job. And the, you have a saying that I just love. It's something that people know you for. You have a sign in your office about it. And you use the simple phrase, dominate. Talk to us about <laughs> dominate. Absolutely. Uh, you know, dominate to me is a mindset. It's an attitude, but it's also a will. A will to take the next task you have, the next assignment that you're about to embark on. And you have the sign pointing towards you as you leave the office. Mm. So when you leave my office, the next thing you do, dominate it. I love it. So when people in, encounter some of the adversities they encounter, the idea, the mindset is to dominate. It's to say, I'm going to attack whatever's happening. It doesn't mean, and this is the part that I think I'm, I'm excited to talk about tonight, and that's this. I think that sometimes when people meet someone who's positive, the way you're positive, the, the belief might be, well, he's just positive because he's just happy all the time. And that's just not reality. Right. It's, it's not reality. And, you know, I, I actually attended a conference last week where um, some professionals from the psychology, Positive Psychology Center at University of Penn, Pennsylvania, um, came in and they talked about that. Like, what is it about this positivity? And they focus on resilience. Mm. With resilience, having learned optimism gives you foresight to say, no matter what is happening, you are moving forward with the expectation that it will be positive. So learned, say that phrase again, learned optimism, learned optimism. So I want to share, I want to share with our listeners right now where the phrase learned helplessness comes from. And then we're going to, then we'll, then we'll explore the flip side. So there was a series of studies done and these studies were pretty cruel. They were back in the day where we didn't really have the type of awareness around really the impact that we were having on other beings. But there was, they did a study with dogs where they had a dog in a, a crated area. And what they would do is they would apply an electric shock to the dog's feet, to his paws, where he was, where the floor he was standing on. And then he couldn't jump over to the other side. So he was stuck. And eventually, after he got shocked enough times, he would just lie down. 
But here's the interesting thing, Penny. This is what's called learned helplessness. Eventually, they took down the fence so the dog could move over to a side where there was no shock. But when the electric shocks came, Mm. he'd stay lying down. He had learned helplessness. He realized there was no way out, and he didn't keep fighting. He just learned helplessness. That's exactly so. That's the phrase, learned helplessness. That's why I really, when I hear that term, learned optimism, it has a deep, deep psychological meaning, which is if we were to constantly fill our minds with optimism, with the idea that there always is a possibility no matter what's going on, doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it does mean that it's possible. Right. Absolutely. And you know, I, I'm, I said this in a speech recently, I take it notoriously known for being a big old teddy bear. And the reason why I said notoriously to the audience is I wanted to give them the perspective that sometimes we in society think being so positive and so, um, so high energy can be seen as a negative. However, I accept it. I embrace it. I love it because I want to share it. I love that. I love that. But it's it, but it's embracing who you are rather than, and this is what's typical. So um, I might want to call it the elevator effect. I've been talking about this recently. When you get around a bunch of people who are struggling with negativity and everything's bad, well, the weather's going to, it's nice, it's beautiful today. Well, it's going to be bad tomorrow. And then you start thinking, <laughs> and then the other people start getting negative with that rather than embracing their own positivity. So I'm doing work in a prison right now, and I'm very passionate about the work I do in the prison system. But one of the things I've noticed about the employees is the whole vibe, if you go in, people will say, well, it's very negative here. Now, there are lots of reasons, and the whole environment is a very challenging environment to work in. You're talking about bars. You're talking about people working or struggling in some of the toughest times of their lives. But the reality is that when I've interviewed people over the last six months at this institution, the truth is the majority of people are not negative. The majority of people are not pessimistic. What happens is the people who are negative, who are pessimistic, have very loud vocal voices. And so they kind of make the, uh, it's kind of like group thing. Like I'm speaking for the group. We're all miserable here. We're all unhappy. Well, no, they're not. Right. And, and, you know, uh, it's interesting you say that. I I heard John C. Maxwell speak last week, and I'm reading uh, his book right now, Leadership. But I love his definition of leadership, which is a simple word, influence. So it sounds like these folks have the loudest voice, and they're influencing the entire environment. They do, which is why it is important. And this is what I've been doing. I've been planting seeds to empower people. Look, I said, there's something that I've been given as a blessing for 20 years. 20 years, I have more than 20,000 hours. And I was trying to explain this to my daughter recently. Like, think about that. 20,000 times I sat down one-on-one hour-long sessions with people. And so by doing that after a while, you start to learn some things about people. And when I went through this prison and I interviewed people and I sat down and, 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 and spent the last several months sitting down with people one-on-one, I realized Many people are really fed up with those very loud, negative vocal voices, but they don't feel empowered to just challenge those people and say, look, if you're that miserable, there are other places to work. There are other places to be. And so one of the things I love to say, and I want to, if I could go through the airwaves and to reach into our listeners' hearts, it would be to empower you with, you don't have to succumb to the negativity just because others are talking about it. Absolutely. And and you know what? I'm so happy you say that, uh, Dr. Conti, because- you know, that's one of the first rooted pieces of 
knowing yourself is what you're willing to accept, what you're willing, what you're not willing to accept, at least in my opinion. Um, and I love what you taught me through your yield theory. And I, I adopted it into um, what I do philosophically as a person. And that's to meet people where they are, you know, for self first, know thyself. Then in order to help others. All right, well, go to them, meet them. See, I told you, I love Penny. This is the positivity. <laughs> Listen, Penny, that's what this whole Walking Through Anger book is all about, learning yourself first and then meeting people where they are, no matter where they are. We have a tendency to want to give people advice and tell people how to live when they don't even want that advice or care what we're talking about, rather than really genuinely trying to see the world from their perspective. And once we do, it really radically shifts everything. So I love that idea of leader shift that you were talking about, because I do think that's something that has to happen. You have to shift your perspective. Mm, absolutely. So embracing positivity, let's talk about that. So when you, what are some of the challenges that you face when you do embrace that positivity? What do people want? What would they rather see in you? Well, one, one thing that um, I'm very conscious of is the volume and the amount of positivity I shed. You know, when, when you take me, for example, I've been part of my institution for 20 straight years mm. from time I was 17 years old to now. And my consistency is a high level of positivity, but we are only human. Right. There's only so much some people could take. Absolutely. And I recognize that. So I learned how to flex. I learned how to read people. I learned how to adapt. Um, and I give the positivities in a way I feel they can absorb it. You know, um, my wife and I talk about this a lot, which is when people aren't ready to accept something, you can speak until you're blue in the face. If they're not ready for that message, there's no reason to say it. I've boiled this down to what I call the difference between the cartoon world, the world the way we think it should be, and the real world the way the world actually is. And I think most people, in my experience, get caught up in that cartoon world. Well, this is what everybody should be thinking. And listen, you may have the best of intentions. You may have a beautiful thought. But the truth is, if your your thoughts aren't in line with the way things actually are, then it's a cartoon world thought. Right. Absolutely. I, I remember we had a uh, a good friend of mine, a mentor by the name of Dr. Dennis Daly, good friend of mine, who um, we were doing a program, and, and what we were trying to focus on was helping to shift behaviors just slightly. And, it, and when people hear that, they think of a grandiose program, a grandiose exercise. But what we did was simply communicate, listen, and give feedback. Mm. I So I'm going to talk about that because this whole concept of what I've been trying to do in this particular prison that I'm in, and it's a big prison, it's a supermax prison, is change culture. And I think when we hear change culture, we think that's this, it, as you use it, and you're right, that's word of, it's this big grandiose thing. My attempt and what I attempt to do there is not grandiose. I believe it starts with very little things. I believe it starts with language and I'm really excited to talk about that language tonight and what that looks like. Listen, Penny and I are having a great conversation, but would love for you to be a part of it. The number is 866-391-1020. 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. This is Emotional Management I'm Dr. Christian Conti, and I'm here in the studio with Penny Samaya. We're talking about all things, but positivity is one of them. Let's go to the phone lines. And Jackie, you're on emotional management. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. 
Um, I hope I, you know, I have a comment, and and I and I hope it's not misunderstood. But um, well, first of all, I'm old enough to be both of your guys' uh, mother, and you both sound like great guys. But you know, posit like sometimes this positivity thing, you know, um, it's almost Pollyannish. Uh, uh, in other words, like did you did you ever visit? the guys in the VA hospital, 20-year-old guys that don't have any legs whose mothers are pushing them around in the wheelchairs every day. Or, And I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but life is very harsh for some people. So that, it, it, it's, a, it's a kind of a thin line sometimes when you're, you talk about this pos- positivity thing. It's somewhat Pollyannish in this world, I believe. Oh, well, first of all, I love your call and I love your comments. So thank you so much. Like your perspective is wanted and needed. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I agree that if we were just talking, just being positive and not acknowledging the negativity of the world or the challenges of the world, that it certainly would be Pollyannish. Um, yes, I have visited those gentlemen and ladies at the VA, and I actually specialize in working with people convicted of violent crimes, so I spend the majority of my time um, working with people convicted of violent crimes in the midst of uh, uh, the restricted housing units, or what you would know as solitary confinement, or the whole. So yes, I see some pretty awful situations and some people who've gone through some horrific, horrific situations. That being said, I believe there is um, a difference between closing your your eyes and saying everything's wonderful and great and saying I'm going to look to what I can achieve versus highlighting what I don't have. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, look, I, I think you're a great guy and I listen to you every Monday night and, and, and your guest sounds wonderful, but I guess um, I've lived a lot longer than, <laughs> than you guys and I guess it's just sometimes like I, maybe it's you live a lot longer, it seems sadder, you know. But I think that you do wonderful work. I know what you do uh, for for a living. And, and I just had that comment, that's all. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Please know how much like that means to me. Really, honestly, I don't take anything for granted. And so the fact that you would listen to this show each week, that means the world to me, that you would take time to call in. And I think you're really right. I think that you've experienced more life, so you've been able to see things see some of those struggles and I know at least from my part. And so first of all, thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you so much for your call and everything for sure. Um, but I know from my, my end, I would never want to not validate that people are going through really awful things because people are going through really awful things. Penny, give me a little bit of insight on your thoughts on this idea. Absolutely. And you know, I, I think it's one, well, one Jackie, thank you also. Um, just for me, I, I really appreciate you calling in and um, sharing your thoughts as well. Um, for me, when it comes to positivity, I think it's what I said earlier. You know, sometimes when people see that, they hear that, they could get super overwhelmed with it. Well, what I really think it is, is more or less looking at, um, you know, the learned optimism piece of it. What can I control in this situation? No matter how bad it is, no matter how horrible it is, I know that I need to validate that. Like, this is where I am. Or this is where these these folks are, so I can't deny that fact and I can't hide it. But what I want to do is to say, where can we move from here that could be a little bit brighter? Mm. How's that sit with you, Jackie? You know, actually, uh, wonderful. And like I said, I, I listen to you every Monday night, and I think uh, 
I, I just say God bless you. I, I think you're two oh, two two you. really great great guys doing great things, and and I appreciate that. Well, thank you, thank you so thank much you, for your Jackie. call, Jackie. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good evening. That's awesome. I really, really appreciate that. You know, I mean, I cannot thank um, all of you out there who listen. I'm really, I was telling Penny, um, you know, life's not a movie. So if you don't see behind the scenes, you might never know behind the scenes. But I was saying this to Penny. I was sharing with him that, with him that I was sharing with my family that I'm really honored and humbled by the amount of people who reach out to my website through my management team. I have gotten inundated with more emails than I can actually get to and read. But when I start to get to see any of them, I'm so grateful. I'm just so grateful. I'm humbled that people actually um, listen to this show. um, And I'm super grateful for Jackie and her insight and her thoughts, as well as for all of you out there. If you want to be a part of this show, the number is 866-391-1020. Penny, let's go back to that concept about what can I control? Because for me, that's the important piece is I might not be able, I might not like a lot about what's going on in this moment, but all I'd ask is what can I actually control from here? Yeah, and and I think that's a really great um, starting point to to really being able to take control again is one, first recognizing what can you control and what can't you control. And if it's something you can't control based on time, you can't live yesterday. You got to live today. Yeah. You got to prepare for tomorrow, but you still got to live today. And, and to me, no matter where your starting point is or no matter where the person who you're working with, their starting point is, that's where you start. I love it. So my dad writes a, writes a great blog. It's called thisisnotyourpracticelife.com. Um, but he took a train ride to New York recently, and I said to him before he got on the train, hey, make sure you face forward. You don't want to be facing backwards and be spending eight hours where you're facing backwards. Uh, and then he wrote this awesome blog when he was done with his trip talking about how in life sometimes you can spend your time looking backwards on the past or you can be looking too far forward to the future. And how do you find that balance? Sometimes you want to look back. Sometimes you want to look forward. Sometimes you want to look right where you are. And that's an important question. So I threw something out recently when I was doing trainings at the at this prison that I'm in right now. And I said to the officers, let's say, because a lot of times people say, well, it's not what it used to be or it's not what it should be. That's that cartoon world thinking. Mm-hmm. It's not what it should be. So I said, all right, look, let's say that we're in an elevator and that elevator is filling up with water and we're stuck on this elevator. We could spend some time talking about how people should not have put the elevator by water. We could talk about how people should have made that elevator waterproof, but if the elevator's filling up with water, at some point we got to stop talking about what should have happened and get our butts out of that elevator. Yeah. And I think in many ways, that's what I look at problem solving with is, look, we can talk about what shouldn't have happened and what should have happened, but at the end of the day, we need to get out of the elevator, and that means making the type of changes that we need to make in our lives, and it starts with what you said what can we control? And to me, that encapsulates learned optimism. I love it. And, and I embrace it. I embrace it wholeheartedly because, you know, you, we hear a lot of different cliches, a lot of different things like uh, the glass is half full. Okay, I get that. But where are we with that glass? Yes. I mean, where are we? That's, that's, that's a great point in perspective. For me, it's also understanding once I get it, am I really going to quench that thirst? I'm getting a little little outside the box. No, that, I like that. that I, I like that a lot. I was thinking my daughter has a shirt that says, 
50% water, 50% air, 100% full. It's how you look at it. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. all there. If you embrace the good, you embrace the bad, you embrace the tough, you embrace the easy, it all is one. Right. And the point I was getting to was the prioritizing of what you're able to control. Mm. Some of us look at low-hanging fruit. What can we create or what can we do as a small victory now to get us back on track? Yes. You know, it doesn't have to be something grandiose, like we said before, with culture. For example, I, I just got done reading um, – the Culture Code by Coyle, great piece. And it talks about the differences between fit and belonging. And okay, if we can create a, an environment where someone can belong, where I can belong, that's the first step. Mm. That's the first step to now what what's next of what I'm able to control. Yeah, it keeps coming back to what can you do? How can I belong? What can I do? How can I be a part of this? And so, yes, life is difficult. Life is challenging. You know, there's, um, there was a great teacher many years ago who came up with what he called the four noble truths. These are the, the absolute truths. That, and the first one is that all life has suffering and all suffering stems from desire. That's the second one. So we have suffering. And then where does it come from? It comes from desire, this desire. So maybe we say, I don't want to suffer anymore. Well, that's our desire. Um, and then there are two really more important ones. But look, if you want to be a part of the show, the number is 866-391-1020. Of course, you can email us on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com. In studio live with me is Penny Samai. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. In studio with me is Penny Samaya. He is a beacon of light. You know, it's radio and something on radio. You don't know what people look like. Um, but I can tell you that the energy and being in Penny's presence is tremendous. So I'm so super stoked he's here. If you want to ask us questions, if you want to talk, if you have questions for Penny, um, the number is 866-391-1020, 866-391-1020. And I'm going to go to the Dollar Bank Instant Access, and we have a question from Marsha, which is, how can I get past wanting to take revenge on someone who is hell-bent on driving my child to the edge? So this question comes from Marsha. How can I get past wanting to take revenge on someone who's hell-bent on driving my child to the edge. Well, as soon as I hear that question, I think, my goodness, as a parent, as a father, you know, my most important job in life is to teach and protect and take care of my daughter. So when I hear that, my goodness, that stands out to me. Marsha, I'm sorry that you're going through that. I can't imagine what it's like in your household. My uh, my image that comes to mind is that you have a lot of upset nights, a lot of moments where your child's scared upset and when you see your child being upset when you see your child being scared wanting to take that away from him or her and not being able to take away that fear take away that feeling that upsetness that's hard it's a helpless feeling so it makes sense to me why you would want it's it makes sense it's very normal for why you would want to have thoughts of revenge here's the challenge with that what do we know what do we know occurs when we end up seeking revenge. Well, we know this, 
a long time ago, the Buddha said, if you really want to take revenge on someone, that's like picking up a hot coal and trying to throw it at someone. You're going to get burned long before you ever get to that person. So even in thinking those thoughts of revenge, you're eating up your own spirit, your own mind, your own body as you're thinking those thoughts. Now, imagine if you actually enacted that stuff, you would actually take yourself away from being around for your child because you'd get arrested or get in trouble for that. So there's, there's so many reasons why not to do it, but I do want to validate why it makes sense that you would want to do it. That's a very natural caretaking thing. Someone's hurting my child. I want to protect my child, but Marsha, look, this is an important thing right here to really hear. This is an opportunity and Penny used this phrase earlier in the show, shared adversity. Your family is facing an adversity right now. Your child is being picked on or someone's trying to drive them to the edge. So my projection is that means they're being picked on. So now your family is looking, saying, okay, how do we deal with this? And what an incredible moment to be able to teach your child how to deal with people like this, who that your child will encounter his or her entire life. I mean, I, I agree with you on that, Dr. Conti. One, this is your expertise. But two, um, you know, it's it's those valuable pauses, patience, the thinking through it that that you, you validated in that moment. Well, the valuable pause, I like that statement, valuable pause, because in that moment when you're with your family and you're thinking, how do we deal with this? It is a moment of pausing and thinking through. So one way to do it, Marsha, is to do it this way. Think through what would happen? So let's play it out. Let's play out like you take revenge on this person. And for that moment, oh, look, you've got revenge. And in that moment for a split second, you feel like got you see, but then, oh no, I just did that. I'm the one who did this behavior. And now what does that evoke in the person on whom you take revenge? Now they have someone who loves them who didn't see the other side and now just wants to take revenge on you. And it goes back and forth. And I'm not guessing or speculating or even projecting in any way, shape, or form, Marsha, that you would be involved in any kind of gang activity, but I'm going to make an analogy because I work with people who are involved in very heavy gang activity, and I specialize in working with people convicted of violent crimes. Recently, I was in a restricted housing unit, and I was running a group with guys who had been convicted for doing really awful things, and one of the gang members who was in there set out and was there because he actually just be honest he committed murder um as a revenge murder and then i asked him point blank what's going to happen when someone seeks out revenge on your family now and he said well if that's how it is that's how it is and to me that cavalier attitude of not wanting to take care of your own children by putting them at risk is awful in in just not even speaking about what he did that was awful but here's what happens. Revenge begets revenge. Anger begets anger. And the problem is when we get wrapped up in that, we don't get to the light. The best part of you can sh shine light for your child. Here's how you handle this situation. If someone's pushing you to the edge, if they're picking on you, doing that, let's figure this out. Now, let me show you how we could, might be able to do that. One way, and we talked about this last week, we had a, a wonderful caller who called in and talked about this last week, where we said, if your child's very young, what if you role played? What if you took stuffed animals? What if you took characters that they like to play with, Lego characters, and you enact a scenario where one of the characters being picked on, the other one learns how to deal with it? Or, follow me on this, Marsha, 
one of the characters takes revenge, play that out. What would that look like? The other character rises above, realizes that the other person is only giving pain from a place of pain. Because here's a statement I say to young people all the time. No one in the history of the world who is at a place of complete peace would ever hurt someone else. Think about it. If you're in a place of complete peace, you're not going to hurt someone else. You only hurt someone else when you're hurting yourself, when you don't know what to do with the pain you're in. So having that bigger vision, that macro vision, we can now come back with the deeper part of us and say, I don't like, not for one second, what's happening to your child. I want to shine light on this. I would make sure every person around your child was aware of it. I would go to the school if it's at school. I would talk to teachers, principals. I would make sure I I shine light on all of that. I would make sure I took action, but at the same time, I would want to empower your child that whoever's saying whatever they're saying cannot touch them. Listen, let, let's, let's play this out as they get to be an adult. So I do this YouTube channel and it's, I, I just try to pres- provide a free service for people. Literally on one of my videos, one after the other, I just read it at the break to Penny. One person said, F you, I hate you, blah, 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 blah. The next person said, I love you. Thank you so much. No matter what, people are always going to say something. You are always only in control of you. If you need some help along the way, give us a call. 866-391-1020. We'd love to talk to you. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. CBS News on the hour. Real news, real reporting. I'm Pam Coulter. Former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort will not be going to New York's infamous Rikers Island jail as expected. The New York Times says Attorney General William Barr's top deputy surprised state prosecutors by telling them Manafort will instead be held in a federal facility while he What's up, everyone? I'm Dr. Christian Conti. In studio with me is Penny Samaya. Penny, you got some special people listening tonight. Who's listening? Absolutely. All the way up in Massachusetts, my awesome brother, my lovely sister-in-law, and my lovable nephews. (laughs) How y'all doing? What's up? Uh, That's so great to hear that. I absolutely love that. Hey, listen, the number is 866-391-1020 if you want to be a part of the show. And we're going to go to the phone lines right now. And Richard, you're on KDKA Radio. Hi, good evening, Dr. Connie. What's up? Um, Yeah, I, um, okay, I just uh, got into a relationship uh, over the last couple weeks and, um, yeah, honestly, just to, just to give you some background, I mean, when I first met her, you know, she, uh, she tapped in. She brought up some. I mean, she brought up some feelings to the surface that, uh, honestly, I had not experienced in the last fifteen years. Okay. Things were things were going well, and she kind of she kind of felt the same way. But I, I need I need to give you just for background. Uh, she's. She's actually been, you know, very badly mistreated in, you know, prior relationships that she's had. Uh, not used to it. Not, I mean, she's not used to receiving any kind of true love. Okay. And, yeah, and here's the thing. She is, 
interesting, but lately, it has very recently, she started, she's basically, you know, wondering, you know, why I love her and everything, and, you know, she's saying, you know, she's not a prize, uh, she can't seem to, can't seem to figure it out, and she's, uh, I mean, she even talking, you know, just yesterday, actually, and uh, you know, she, she was talking about you know just just possibly breaking up with me just because she couldn't receive the couldn't resolve the conflict in her mind. Well, it's difficult. So if someone has been mistreated for a while, they can become and understandably so very skeptical of anyone who treats them differently. Earlier on the show, Penny and I talked about the difference between something called learned helplessness, where people just come to accept that bad behavior is befalling them sorry about that alliteration or uh learned optimism where you can learn to see the positive but it sounds like she has really learned to see and been and and really this is kind of fight or flight response this is deep-seated you know brain stuff where she's been mistreated for so long she's kind of used to that now here you come along giving her kindness giving her love and she's not quite sure what to do with it so what have you tried to do to help her receive it well, um, I mean, I just, I basically just, I, I basically just tell her, I mean, like, okay, I, I tell her she's pretty, she's beautiful, which is the way I actually see her. She keeps saying, you know, she's ugly, um, you know, and, you know, and, uh, just, you know, I just, I keep, you know, I like, I try to listen to her. Um, I'm always, I'm always trying to be there for her, you know, cause she had some, she had some bad events recently in her life. She says I helped her through it. Let me ask you a question, Richard. Do you see yourself as the strongest human being on the planet? I don't know about that. Okay, so if I said to you, Richard, I'm telling you, from my experience, you're the strongest human being on the planet. Would you believe it? Well, no, I'm not, because Hulk Hogan's stronger than me to begin with. Okay, okay, okay. No, so let's stick with that. I like that, the Hulkster. <laughs> so, all right, so if I told you something, even if I really believed it, if you truly didn't believe it, there's nothing I can say that could make you believe that, because you're going to say, hey, what about the Hulkster? So in that, I'm just trying to use that as a metaphor, as an analogy, as a comparison. When you tell her these things that you truly believe and see about her, she doesn't see that in herself. And here's one of the most powerful, one of the most life-changing relationship pieces of advice I can give anybody in the world. We cannot fix emotions. We can be there for people. We can give them love. We can give them space, but we can't fix them. We can't make people feel a certain way. Okay. Um, but then what do I do? It's like she's talking about possibly breaking up with me because she can't resolve that conflict. Well, she can't figure out. Yeah. Yeah. So I think probably one of the toughest things to do is to be able to say, look, I can't force you to feel the way I'd love. I'd love for you to see you the way I see you. Uh, This is me talking to her through your eyes. I might say to her, you know, I wish I could. I wish you could see you the way I see you. I wish you could accept what I'm offering to you and the way I see you. But I, I, I respect if you're not ready for that. I respect if that's not a possibility for you right now. So I want to give you your space. I wish there was something else I could do to change it. I can't, um, I'm here for you. And when you need me, then, and, and that's the type of mentality. That's the type of approach because any other approach is 
really mimicking those old relationships she was in, which is abusive, controlling, I'm going to tell you what to think, I'm going to tell you what to do. And even though what you're telling her is love, awesome, beautiful, good stuff, it's telling her, and that's exactly replicating what the controlling, abusive people did. Does that make sense? Oh, I'm okay. I'm doing the same thing on the other side. Bam. That's it, my man. That's exactly it. So you're saying back off, basically. Yes, and create yourself as a safe space. And when you create yourself as a safe space, now she can come towards you. She can be drawn towards you, and that can be her choice. And once she sees that... Her defenses drop, and now she will be much more susceptible and ready to accept your love, your kindness, and your compliments. Okay. Now, well, is there some other way I should be expressing love? Because that, that's the thing. Just even in general, she can't figure out why I love her so much. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think one of the beautiful things about love, there's this aspect of trust where we give people our best, but then we have to let go. Like they're not in our heads. They'll never see what we see. And even though we want to convey that, I don't think that we always can, but that's okay. That really is okay. I think we have a tendency to want to make it solid. Like here's, I'm going to give you six flowers and it's going to show you six amount of love, but it's arbitrary. When you really kind of love, you kind of have to make it it's overwhelming. And you got that. Listen, so the fact that you understood that, Richard, gives me complete confidence in you. You give her a safe space. You be a safe space for her. And you let her know you're here, whether wherever she needs to be. And I think you're going to find a whole new receptivity to what you offer. Thanks a lot. Listen, thank you so much for your call. I genuinely appreciate this. And I, Richard, I can't tell you how much I wish you the absolute best with this. Uh, my heart goes out to you because I know this is a tough time, but I would ask you to please keep coming back to, even though it's coming from the absolute most beautiful place of love and kindness, try not to replicate that. I'm going to tell you how to feel. I'm going to tell you what to do. Okay. All right. You got it, brother. Thank you so much for the call. All right. Thanks. 100%. Hey, this is life. It's not always easy, but we're in it together. And we are here for you. The number is 866-391-1020. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. Oh, my. Here we go. This is emotional management. It's exciting. The number is 866-391-1020 to be a part of the show. A few weeks back, I had a guest on the show, uh, Jake Wiskirchen, and he talked about what if we could make when people go in for therapy or counseling, make that as exciting as it would be if you were going in for CrossFit and say, look, hey, I'm working on the anxiety I'm struggling with. I'm working on the depression. And I love that. And we're still doing that today. We're trying to get excited about it. I was telling Penny here in between when on the break, I was saying, uh, you know, I'm really excited for Richard. I'm so thankful that Richard called in. Richard, my man, like... I'm with you and I'm excited for you. And here's why, like I loved hearing it in your voice. So for 20 years I've done therapy and there were these moments, there were the, there are moments when you can tell when someone gets it and when they get it, it's beautiful. I mean, it, I was sitting here watching this like it was a movie 
from my seat and I got excited too. And, and I got to give Richard a shout out because um, where he was and where he got to, unbelievable, beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, it, it is. It's beautiful. And so I played uh, sports growing up. I, um, I loved playing. Uh, I loved playing sports. I was a quarterback in high school. If I threw a touchdown pass, it was such a great feeling. If I hit a home run, it was such a great feeling. What dwarfs that feeling, though, is sitting with people when they get insight. When they get insight, it's 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 a similar feeling. That's how I would describe it. But it's even better because you understand that there could be a change, a significant change. Sometimes it's the small things that lead to big changes. When I was a professor, I used to say in every class I taught, and I'm not exaggerating, in every class I'd say, listen, this class is so exciting today, it could change your life. Penny, you've heard me talk a lot, <laughs> and I'll say that in the speeches I give. Listen, you guys, this is gonna be really exciting, it could change your life. And the reason why I say that is, you never know when that moment will be where you hear an insight, you hear a story, maybe you've heard that story a 100 times before, but this time, it leads to you making the type of behavioral changes that set you down the path you were destined to go down. So it's a it's an incredible thing. I'm blessed to be here in this position. I'm so thankful to all of you out there for listening. Richard, I'm thank you thankful for you calling in, and I'm thankful to all our callers and all of our listeners. Speaking about changes when you do something, you make a move, and all of a sudden something huge happens. So I'm very passionate about the work I do in the prison system. Nearly seven out of 10 people who leave prison return. That number's not okay with me. I don't think it should be okay with anyone. So I went and sat down once with a man who I have the utmost respect for, one of the best people on planet Earth, who, oh, by the way, is in studio with me. And I said, Penny, will you come into the prison with me? And he jumped at it. He said yes in a heartbeat. And I brought him into one of the state prisons and let's talk about that experience. Yeah, um, you know, Dr. Conde, it was one, it was a humbling request because uh, for me, this is the culmination of, of everything I believe in. No matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing, the yield theory, meet you where you are, that's a prime example. And when you asked me to come in, I, I quite honestly, I had no expectation on what to expect. Um, there's only the stereotypes you hear but then the experience you gained. And mm. when I walked in, you and I broke it down, you prepped me. The first thing I wanted to do was just greet every single person at the door and shake their hand. And that one thing I think really resonated and helped set the bar for the workshop that we led. It was amazing because I remember there was a guy who came up to you afterward and said that, talked about how he moved, and maybe he said it to you, maybe he told it to me afterward, but I specifically remember a man saying, like, you actually took time and shook our hands, like, you shook our hands. A lot of people don't touch somebody, they think, well, no, you're a pariah, you're untouchable, and people are human beings, whether they've done something awful or not, they still are living from this moment forward, so making that gesture, patting somebody on the shoulder, shaking their hands, looking them in the eyes, treating them as human beings... That doesn't mean we're saying, oh, here you go. Everything you've ever done, that was okay. That's not it at all. We have such a tendency to jump from one extreme to the other. But we can set all that silliness of jumping from one extreme to the other aside and just say, where do we go from this moment forward? Watching you, Penny, with those guys and the way they responded to you and the way you responded in kind to them, that was that gave me chills watching that. Yeah, it was uh, definitely an experience that I will cherish, and I, I hope to have again in the future with you. I'm always willing to go with you wherever you oh, go. Oh, I'm bringing you in. I'm bringing <laughs> you in, and it's on the radio, so you got to come in now. Um, what stands out to you from one of those memories from that from from that experience? 
Well, I, I think for me it was the the honest focus that I saw within a high majority of them. I, I can't say all of them, but the high majority of them in really getting intentional with chasing their what what we define as their er. How do I get better? I would love for you to talk your, about that. Because yeah. your er, this was all you. This is beautiful. Talk about that er. Yeah. So so we talk about um, when we are at a point in our life where we're pursuing a goal, where we're chasing something, we want to be the best or the greatest. And it always ends with that, you know, that period <laughs> or the exclamation point, which I totally respect. Some people want to get to that pinnacle. But for me, as a lifelong learner, I want to just get better. We call it chasing the er. The ER at the end of those words that tells us we're continuing on, we're pursuing, we're not being satisfied with where we are, but we're looking to move forward. So um, when we started talking about that and I presented my four P's, passion, purpose, plan, pursue, you know, helping to meet these men where they were, where they want to go, and they're actually, they were on the verge of being released, and then what's their specific plan to get there? The when the the guys would talk about that er long after you left, that message resonated with them. I talked to actually from that particular prison. I heard from yesterday on Father's Day. I got a message from one of the men who was in that group, um, talking about what he's up to right now, which is just amazing. Chasing the er. So a phrase you use that sticks to me that means something to me. Lifelong learner. Er, lifelong learner. It fascinates me how people can say that they have more to learn in life, but then get so attached to what they already know. Mm. If you really are a lifelong learner, as you are, as I am, you're not going to be attached to what you know. You're going to be open to learning. You're constantly open to learning. That means whatever's on the table that I know, I'm open that I could be wrong. There could be something I could learn that's different. Fixed mindset, growth mindset. Mm. Which one do you prefer? I love that. I love that. But it's a lifelong learner means we're open to learning constantly. That means, can we? And this is a question for all of you out there. And if you want to call in and talk about it, the number is 866-391-1020. But the question is, can you be open to being challenged? I talked about this on the air last week, so I won't go into it too long tonight. But I did say, I ask people all the time, look, being a skeptic of others, that's easy. Hey, I'm skeptical of what you say. I'm skeptical of what you believe. I'm skeptical of all that, but can you be skeptical of your own thoughts? Can you be mm. skeptical of your own ego? That's the question. You know, uh, our dear friend, Lisa Ald. Yes. Licensed counselor, wonderful soul. She works with me. Um, a friend of the show on emotional management. Show. She's been on here. You know, she, she did an unbelievable workshop where she and I went in and we worked with um, social workers on helping to focus on self-help, self-care, taking care of themselves because they take care of others. And what she talked about was just so fascinating because it was talking about being vulnerable, mm. the willingness to be vulnerable, setting the the iron, iron sheet down and just say, you know what, as a leader, I do have chinks in my armor. There are vulnerable spots that I have. Mm. And it's, it takes a brave soul to say that because not everyone's perfect. I think it, it does take a brave soul to say it. it takes a lot of courage. I say it to callers all the time. If you're calling into the show, if you're writing into the show, it takes courage to say, look, my life's not going absolutely perfectly right now. What I say repeatedly is none of our lives are going perfectly. You know my tagline. I've been saying this for years. For 20 years, I've been saying this. There are two kinds of people in the world. 
people with issues and dead people. So we all have issues. We all have things to go through. When Penny talks about chasing your er, my hope is that right now, if you're listening, you can chase your er. Find out what you want to get better at. Find out what you want to be more of a learner, learner of. Keep pursuing knowledge. Keep pursuing all of it. Look, there's still time on this show to talk. The number is 866-391-1020. Would love to hear from you. Also, you can email us on the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkaradio.com. I want to take a real quick moment. I do a YouTube channel. I give kind of just free information. It's out there. You can just go to YouTube and type in Dr. Christian Conti. I was blown away by this video we put out recently, and I want to tell you about that coming up. But the number is 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm so grateful that you're spending your Monday night with us. I'm honored to have in the studio with me, Penny Samaya. If you want to be a part of the show, the number is 866-391-1020. And speaking of the phone lines, let's go to the phone lines. George, you're on Emotional Management. Dr. Conti, what an honor. It's been a few months. How you been? I'm doing really well. How are you? How, really well. How are you doing? All right, how's Miss Penny? I have a penny for our thoughts, too, no pun intended. Yeah, I, heard you, I heard you when I... Oh, it's Mr. Penny. Mr. Gentleman. Penny, yes, he's awesome. Penny's How awesome. you doing, George? I just turned in after work, man. I always put you on if I'm off, or and I'm never off on Mondays. But I heard you saying something about playing sports, doing that home run hit, throwing that touchdown pass, but getting that aha moment, or me being like Greek Orthodox, the old epiphany moment we might have. When yes. you're learning, you know, I used to teach, and that's what you would try to do, you know, from the old days of the 1-800-45-TEACH to everything else. <laughs> and one kid to get it, you know, when a guy was walking behind kids in the computer class, and he snapped his finger, and it was an aha moment. I remember that 30 years ago. But, you know, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you get it all the time? And it's, it's, it's almost like an enigma, like a phenomenon. No, it is. And first of all, man, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your kindness, the fact that, you're, that you listen when you can. And I love the word sure. epiphany. I, you're, you're 100% right about that word epiphany. I believe there is a way as a teacher, and teaching is one of my biggest passions. I was actually a tenured professor before I gave that up, and we moved back to the East Coast. But I loved being in front of the class because what I would try to do is set people up to have those moments. And the way I would visualize it, it was almost as if I envisioned the student in front of me and it would be like in my mind, I would want to put a metaphor or a picture to one side and a metaphor and a picture to another side and kind of sit back and try to highlight those metaphors until they could connect those dots. And that seemed to be what would tend to, you know, create that epiphany. Sure. I had an educational psychology teacher way back in 92, California College here. And he said, if you can get an emotion out of kids, positive or negative at the moment, he said they're going to retain whatever whatever was going on at that, that point in time. Do you agree with that? Uh, with your, so know? much, so much. I got to yeah. tell you a story. Listen, can sure. I tell you, let me tell you a story. This is awesome. So sure. when I, I was in my master's program to become a licensed professional counselor. And it was at the beginning of the semester. And our teacher told us, he said, look, he, he set down the gauntlet for our class. He said, 
you all are going to come up with the grading system. You're going to come up with how you're going to evaluate yourselves, and then you're going to deliver that. And so we thought he was joking. Like the first night of class, my buddy and I, we came up with this system, and we had it all down pat, and we offered it. The class got angry. They said, no, there's no way. We're not doing that. Who do you think you are trying to give us these answers? Well, fast forward, it was the second to the last week of class, and the professor said, I don't know if you think I was joking or not, but if you don't come up with a way to do this, you will all fail. This is a master's <laughs> class. So now, all of a sudden, everyone starts scrambling. George, I'm telling you, they started scrambling, and all of a sudden, they said, okay, Christian, what was your idea again? And I was like, oh, now they want it. So I gave it to them, and every we did it, we did it, it worked out. It worked out. So listen, here's where the, here's where the true aha moment comes in. So after class, my buddy and I were walking with our professor, and he said, uh, I said to him, I don't understand. We gave them this answer at the beginning of the semester. And he looked at me and he said, son, when you realize that people will learn when they are ready to learn, you will truly understand. I said, bam. Mm. That's yeah, it. You have arrived at that point. The, exactly. So I learned. So I learned. I said, in that moment, I realized I want to set people up to be ready to have that moment because if we don't set people up to be ready to learn, you can give them all the answers in the world. Matter of fact, recently they just had researchers come up with something called the backfire effect, which means when you present someone with facts that oppose what they're emotionally attached to, they actually will only hold on to those beliefs even stronger. So you really got to set people up to learn. That's right, because that's the way a lot of people are when it comes down to statistics that are always skewed for some way or another. Like Chuck Noll used to say, make statistics, do whatever you want. And I'm sure there's a baseline there. But unless somebody really has some belief and some impetus on why and how those statistics arrive where they are, that's where, that's where we are. I'm going to tell you something, George. You're awesome, and you referenced Chuck Knoll, so this is fantastic. I love it. You guys take care. All right, thank you. We're going to learn today. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a great call. Oh, Look, wow. Penny, I love that. That's what's a beautiful thing about this show. We get to connect with people from all over, some beautiful, wonderful people. George is awesome. Um, that's fantastic. Referencing Chuck Knoll and his four Super Bowl <laughs> victories. Uh, if you're from Pittsburgh, we know all about that. Um. So let's go. I want to. I want to get time to get to this question. I have a. I, uh, this is an important uh, question that we have written in here on a dollar bank instant access, and it says, "Hello, Dr. Conti. I've been happily married for 23 years, and our oldest of three children has just graduated college and moved to another city for her first job. I'm very proud and happy for her. However, I'm feeling sort of grief about her leaving. After we talk, I hang up and I cry for a little while." I'm embarrassed to feel this way. Is this normal? How should I best cope? Thanks, Georgia. Georgia, thank you so much for your email. My gosh, my heart is moved just hearing it. Like I hear that I see Penny, like we're like, man, our heart goes out to you because we can imagine, you know, Penny works every single day with young people who are in college and away from family. And he gets to have conversations with young people who are missing home and, and gets to see that other side. And I want you to talk a little bit about that. But the part that I have to make sure I don't let go is this. Yes, it's absolutely normal for you to get off the phone and cry a little bit and to be upset. Please be easy on yourself. You are in a happy relationship. Your oldest child just graduated college. It's a transition. It's a change. And that change sometimes it's sometimes it's it's sad, and it's it, you're still happy. You still want your daughter to do super well, but at the same time, sure, it's sad. 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, having gone through the experience myself many moons ago, like my brother Ruben did many moons ago, and also all these college age students who are doing it now, just know on the other side, your child is missing and loving you as well. You may not be as um, more communicative with them as what you would when you lived under the same household. But in those moments, in those times where you are connecting, living it is beautiful. It's so true. So I think one of the secrets that I know from being on the other side of therapy and being able to listen to people tell their stories, I can't tell you through the years. And George, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know who you are or your child. And but I'm super grateful for you writing in. But one of the things I would say to you is, I've sat with children or young people who have said, "I really miss home," and I've said to them, "Do you tell your family that?" And they'll say. Well, no, or so, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've met people who are like, well, I miss them, but they know and they don't tell them. And I always encourage people to tell them. I think, look, life's, I say this all the time. Life is not a movie. If we don't tell each other something, we're not going to know. It's not like we're seeing behind the scenes of what happens. So we need to be able to vocalize that. Um, in terms of you uh, letting your daughter know how much you care about her, I think that's great. Um, but also in terms of being able to, how do you cope with it? Well, look, one of the most beautiful aspects to being a parent is helping our children become independent. This is a double-edged sword because we love our children with everything we are. I mean, for me, I'll say this, I love my daughter more than life itself. My wife gave a great analogy once when she was a babe, when she was in going to kindergarten, she said, it's like watching your heart. You're literally, you're taking your heart and watching your heart walk away. Um, and so we love our daughter so much. It's, un, it's unimaginable how much we love our daughter. At the same time, um, uh, for, for me personally, our daughter is 14. So becoming independent, doing those things, that's a part of life. And it's really beautiful to be on that end and to watch that. And I know that my own parents fostered my independence to help me become the man I am. And that never would have happened had they kept me from that. So you're doing a beautiful thing. You've done a beautiful thing. And to have a happy relationship after 23 years, I have to tell you, congratulations. I love hearing positive stories like that. It's heartwarming. Yes, you are 100% normal. My goodness, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Of course, it's normal to be sad that your child is growing up. Please embrace that time with your other children while they're there. Too. Thank you so much for your for your email, Georgia, and uh, definitely wish you tons of peace. The number is 866-391-1020. If you want to talk, this is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, it's such an important, I believe, topic to talk about our emotions and what's going on in our lives. If you want to be a part of the show, the number is 866-391-1020. I'm going to go to the Dollar Bank Instant Access and read an email from Jared who writes, um, my boyfriend and I are, have been going through some very stressful situations here recently. He's dealing with rehab for his addiction and also some legal issues from last year that have really taken a toll on us. And we seem to be fighting more because of me and my trust issues. I mainly feel guilty because these legal issues should not be blamed on him, all on him. 
I feel like I was responsible as well because we were both angry and it turned into some much something much worse than it should have been. How can I learn to sit back and maybe see some things from his view without getting angry when even small problems come up? How can I start understanding his stress and how to cope with it? Jared, Jared, thank you so much for your email. I think that's a powerful email and you give yourself an answer and this is the beautiful thing about life. You have the answer right there. The key is stepping back and seeing something from his perspective. But we have to practice this. If you want to get good at basketball, what do you do? You practice basketball. If you want to get good at playing the guitar, you got to practice the guitar. If you want to get good at stepping back and seeing the world from someone else's perspective, you got to do it and not just do it when everything is calm and perfect, but when things are tough. The time to practice it is all day, every day. Here's what you can do. You already either probably read books or watch shows. When you read books and watch shows, there are characters. When you look at life through those characters' eyes, I would invite you to do something really powerful. Look at the show you're watching from multiple characters' perspectives. If you're reading a book, read the book with real intention of seeing through multiple characters' eyes. The more you practice seeing the world through other people's eyes, the better you get at it. Now, we are creatures of impulse. So if we, we're, we're set, we're designed, we're actually hardwired to react to protect ourselves. We have instincts. So we, if we don't train those instincts, we could just snap, be impulsive. You're angry, rawr, lash out. But what if you practiced when things don't go your way saying, it's okay, it's not the end of the world, I can handle it. So think about that phrase. It's not the end of the world, I can handle it. That's a true statement. A, it's not the end of the world, and B, you can handle it. Unless you're in your grave, you are handling it. So when we tell ourselves that it's the end of the world, we're telling ourselves something that's not true. And when we tell ourselves that we can't handle something that we're actually handling, that also is not true. You ready for this one, Jared? That means that when a situation happens, you're telling yourself a bunch of lies and then getting mad. Be more kind to yourself than that. Be honest with yourself. Be accurate with yourself. If you can practice telling yourself the reality that you might not like what's happening, but it's not the end of the world and you can handle it, you will practice, you will prepare for how to see the world from other people's perspective. Because once you're calm, say you're sitting back and watching a movie, you'll be able to do this exercise fairly easily. And I really hope you do. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. That's what yield theory is all about, seeing the world through other people's eyes, watching TV, reading a book. That's a wonderful way to do it. Now, practicing that in your personal life. When people start to tell you at work, at your friendships, this is what's happening. Instead of just listening to the one person who's speaking, think about it from everyone's perspective, everyone who's in that situation. The more you practice, the better you get at it. Jared, thank you so much for this email. That's a powerful one. Penny, what do you think about that idea? We master what we practice. I love it. I, I mean, for who we are and what we do every day, for us to be consistent at that, that shows our character, our values, you know, through our actions and behaviors. That's what we want the world to see. It's what you're teaching the athletes, the student athletes at the University of Pittsburgh all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
if you go to their practice and you've been there, you and I've sat and watched several different sports for the young people. We've watched their sports. We've watched them at that practice. What I always tell athletes is you, you're practicing your sport. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Keep doing it. You're also practicing your character. If you're being honest, you're practicing honesty. If you're lying, you're practicing lying. If you're practicing manipulation, well, you're getting really good at something you probably don't want to be good at mm-hmm. because they're going to come back to bite you. So be mindful that you master what you practice and be mindful to practice the things you really want to master. I'm 45 years old, and I really want to master the guitar. I just started, but I love it. My daughter is absolutely phenomenally talented. She has a gift. I do not, I do not, I repeat, have a gift for music, so I don't know where she gets it, but she is amazing. And so I I love this. So I'm trying to do guitar with her, and I'm learning. And one of the things I said to my wife, or actually earlier today, is this is probably the first time in my life where I'm looking at something that I'm not good at, and I'm saying, you know what, it's okay because 10 years is going to come and go, and in 10 years I'm going to have practiced a lot, and in 10 years I'm going to be pretty good at this. <laughs> You're going to be phenomenal. I can't wait to sing along <laughs> with you. And you've seen Kaya sing. Oh, unbelievable talent. Absolutely. I like being able to give a shout-out to her. So, Penny, thank you so much for coming in tonight. Um, what kind of message do you really want to give to the world? My, my slogan is always high-five and a smile. Know that every day when you give a high five and a, a smile to someone, you have an immediate impact oh, on them instantly. I love that. The high five and a smile. You know, we uh, w- with the athletes, I would always tell them with the high fives, you know that teams that are more physical with each other have a better connection. That's something you and I taught to teams for years. That could be done in your families. Having secret handshakes with your families too. Penny, thank you so much for being here tonight. My pleasure, my honor. Love you, brother. Love you too. Listen, thank you so much for all of you who listen every week. I appreciate you tremendously. Um, I'm honored by the fact that people write in and tell me that they're listening, that they're hearing this message, and that it's helping. Every week we're here, every Monday night from 8 to 10, Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti, and above all, as always, I wish you much peace. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio.